you are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As it said, this is Locked On Indians. I am your host, Jeff Ellis. Everything's a little bit in turmoil. Today's podcast, I was going to talk about the 2013 draft for the Indians as they released Sean Brady today, the second highest bonus player from that draft. Uh, we're going to take a look at the rubber ducks. Uh, instead, we'll quickly hit the Marlins game. We're going to go right into this Corey Kluber injury and what it means. And from there, um, we're going to look at the, uh, the Clippers, specifically the Clippers pitching at this point. And after that, we will then circle back around if we have time at the end and do the 2013 draft. So the Indians managed to split a series again with the worst team in baseball. Uh, the Marlins are, for all intents and purposes, not even trying. They released almost anyone of value who made money, and the only free agent signings were players who uh, accepted the you know, non-roster invitee to camp. Uh, they have a lot of young players. They have a lot of guys that, you know, they're if you're over a certain age and they couldn't trade you, that's the only reason you're still there. It is a really bad team, and the Indians, they have nine wins this year and 21 losses. Nine of Two of those nine wins come from the Indians, which is embarrassing. Before we get to the Kluber injury, let's just talk about uh, his performance tonight, which was bad. Um, he wasn't fooling anyone. He wasn't deceiving anyone. He gave up eight hits in four and two-thirds innings. The nice thing is he didn't walk anyone. His walk rate has ballooned this year i mean this is a guy who the previous two years led the league in lowest walks per nine and a little bit like 1.3 and maybe 1.4 this year he's up to 4.4 not counting this game so he uh that's there he has been still missing bats he was not in this game only three strikeouts again this is a lineup that is the worst in baseball it is a lineup that he is facing a pitcher as well the worst lineup in baseball with a pitcher, a bunch of replacement level, below replacement level. It's a there are triple there are triple A lineups right now better than the Marlins lineup. That's just a fact. You go through there, there's not a lot of guys that you would say, those, yeah, that's a guy who deserves being the majors. And Kluber was struggling. And Kluber has a negative uh baseball reference war this year. Uh he's not been good. He has been really bad. And everything that he's kind of done, it's even something like FIP, which predicts, you know, that it's supposed to be the best indicator. His FIP has fallen apart. I mean, last year it rose, but he's not been a good pitcher this year. So this is all so I could say, look on the bright side. What we have gotten from Corey Kluber this year is easily replaceable and easily improved upon. The hope was, of course, that Corey Kluber would... um, write his own ship and you'd get back to having a guy who's been an all-star the last three years and a top 10 Cy Young candidate for the last five and one two Cy Youngs in that time. We'll see. Uh, the Let me make sure I get the exact diagnosis on the injury here. I don't want to don't want to mess this up. It is a uh, non-displaced uh, fracture of the right ulna. Now, if you remember from school, you have your ulna and your radius in there. Those are the two bones. Um, it's not a surgery thing to fix this break. It's a time thing. 
he's going to have to just take time and, you know, it, not using anything in particular. It's a two to eight week recovery period, which it's, we need to be thankful that Clevenger is ahead of schedule, but he is also on the 60 day disabled list. So he can't pitch until those 60 days are up. Kluber, I do not think they will put on the 60 day. He'll probably just be on the 15 day and then they can repeat. Uh, Unfortunately, that does not open a 40-man spot. That is why you put someone on the 60. But, uh, yeah, so this, you know, right now the Indians basically, thank goodness Carlos Carrasco's scare wasn't anything. (laughs) Can you imagine if uh, Carrasco was hurt as well with Clavenger and you were down to (laughs) Bauer and uh, Bieber? I'm just going to take a moment and, like, the internal horror and sadness and let that soak through. But we still have Carrasco. And, you know, he had an effective start the other day, and you've got those three. This immediately means that Kluber goes on the disabled list and Jeffrey Rodriguez should immediately be added in his place. Uh, he's been the guy they've gone to for the previous two starts, and he's been effective. He's been more effective in the majors than in AAA. So he has to be the, the guy, though, because he's been effective and he's the guy they're already relying on. He is going to get the opportunity here. If the Indians need a fifth starter, what do they do? Now, I'm sure the common thought at this point is Cody Anderson. You know, he was a starter. Yeah, but he hasn't even been pitching that much out of the pen since he got since he got called up. Um, he hasn't done much. And I would be a little bit nervous just thinking, okay, so even if you put him in that role that they've had um, Rodriguez in, where they're only calling him up when they need a fifth starter, that they're doing what they can to avoid that fifth start when it is not needed. In that role, you know, do you, do you consider Anderson, even though he hasn't been effective? I don't know. I was kind of going through earlier, and I pulled up, you know, I talked how we talked about the Columbus Clippers today. And when we look at their pitching staff in particular, uh, first off, it is not a park for pitchers. It is a park that gives up a lot of home runs. Uh, Chow Ching Chang would definitely agree with me there, who's given up six home runs in 26 innings. Uh, or Nick Goody, who's also who's given up six home runs in nine innings. It's not a great park for, you know, for pitchers. So when you're going through there, you're kind of looking for and trying to think what would make sense here. Who would they consider signing away? Or not necessarily signing away as much as who would they consider calling up? If Cody Anderson isn't the choice, and again, he's a pitch five innings this year. I was just pulling up the numbers. Not, I mean, his FIP isn't bad. It shows a guy who uh, should play better. His hit rate has been atrocious, though, and players just seem to be picking up his pitches he's always had a live fastball it has always been a straight fastball and that's part of his problem because he's really a two-pitch guy there isn't a whole lot his uh secondary pitches just don't have a whole lot so the name i'm going to throw out there is one i have thrown out on my twitter account jeff mlb draft before and that is the name of michael peoples now that may not be a name you know the the indians top prospects most places this year were Tristan McKenzie, when you look at arms, and he is still yet to play due to injury. It's the second year in a row. He has started the year on the disabled list. Um, Sam Henkes is the top lefty in the system, and he has been getting absolutely shelled in his first time in AA. 
and Luis Oviedo was a lot of places. The third one, if you're not, you know, some places had the recent draft picks who obviously aren't ready as a pair of high school kids. But Oviedo is in, uh, you know, I've mentioned him being down in uh, in Lake County this year, and he is struggling. So when you're looking for someone who's performing, who's in the upper levels, Michael Peoples comes to mind. And if you don't know him, he is a 27-year-old, six foot five. He says 190 here, but that's that's definitely not true. That might have been his drafted weight. I've talked to him when he has been in Akron uh, a few years ago when Akron won the uh, the Double A championship. He was the ace of that team. It seemed he got every big win for them. He was the guy there doing it. Um, this the past two years, uh, he had some arm injuries last year, so only pitched in ten games. And it's definitely interesting because you can see the before and after. In Akron, he had six starts, uh, a 7.2 strikeout per nine, a 1.7 walk per nine, and he kept the ball in the park, only 0.3 home runs per nine, an ERA of 1.11, goes to Columbus, the arm injury happens, and in his four games, all those numbers get blown up. This year he's healthy and he's back in Columbus. Again, he's 27 years old. He was a 14th round pick out of Oklahoma State College, Western Oklahoma State College. Uh, college teammate of Sicknar Loopstock, who I talked about yesterday, who was in that 2013 draft. Peoples was in the 2012 draft. But this year, Peoples has a 1.64 ERA, an 8.6 strikeouts per nine, a 2.5 walk per nine, and a 0.4 home runs per nine. You probably don't know him. So he is a big guy at 6'5", and he relies on a drilling downward fastball. You don't make hard contact. It almost never goes well for you if you're trying to hit it. It is really hard for anyone to put in play and make good hard contact. So I'm going to go over to Baseball Savant real quick on him. And when I go over to there and I make his spray chart and I make it all balls in play, you see that the majority of balls in play never leave the infield, that he has a ton of force outs in the infield. That is where they go. There are some shallow fly balls. There's only three balls hit all year that have been warning track or out of the park, one home run. And again, this is in Columbus for a majority of his games, which is a Band box. It is a horrible stadium for the evaluation of hitters and pitchers. Uh, it's it's such a good place to hit. Eric Stametz is hitting like 380 down there. Let me check. Did I get that? No, that's not right. Eric Stametz is hitting uh, 325. It's a 438 on base percentage. So you know everyone can hit down there. But uh, yeah, I. Peoples has been a an organizational soldier. He has been a guy who has bounced around through all the levels of the minors with the Indians. He, he's just he's done the dirty work for them. He was a day three pick, small bonus guy who, you know, what more can you ask of him at this point? And his performance this year, for me, is enough to consider... Maybe this is someone who gets the spot start. This is a name to, to look at for his entire minor league career. He's always been someone who's kept uh, his walks down, 3.1 walks per game. That is with 657 minor league innings. 
107 starts. His strikeouts per nine are 6.5. Why that is interesting is the past few years, those numbers have been on the rise. 2018 and 2019, we see that jump. Um, It wasn't really there. He was a prospect I liked in 2017, just watching him a lot because no one could make good contact when I saw him. Or that might have been 2016, actually, where it, but he wasn't missing any bats. You look, he had that stretch where his strikeouts per nine were under four, and I didn't list him among the top prospects. I put him there, and then I had pulled him off because the strikeout rate was so low. Last year before the injury, all of a sudden his strikeout rate is up, and this year he's continued with that. Um, players are missing. So not only are they is he missing bats at a much higher rate, he when they do make contact it's more often than not not leaving the infield so like i said people's i maybe it's because i always root for these the day three prospects the guys who have made nothing in the minors but people's has performed to the point that i think he's the guy to go to i honestly do you know, Rodriguez has earned that fourth spot, but we are down two starters right now. So when we need that guy to come in and pitch, I, I say go with Michael Peoples. He's earned it. He's done the work, and he's performing, and no one else in AAA is really performing. Oh, my cat wanted to join in, so there's the Kit Kat. That's, she's agreeing with me. Michael Peoples, fifth starter. Okay, so I mentioned before the Indians today released Sean Brady. He was part of the 2013 draft by the Indians, uh, a draft that uh, is really interesting. And I, so I'm going to spend the last bit of time. I know Kat. <laughs> she wants to talk about it too. Talking about this 2013 draft because Sean Brady was released um, today as I record, tomorrow while most of you, or yesterday as most of you are listening. So the 2013 draft was the year that the Indians had the fifth overall pick and took Clint Frazier. They did not have a second pick or their competitive balance pick because they signed Bourne and Swisher. In the third round, they took Dice Keim, who was really not on my radar. I mean, he was a Louisville pitcher, and that program is strong, but I just didn't think that he had done much to to make him a player I was going to consider at that spot. Um, Keim ended up getting the yips and was let go a year ago. He got uh, nearly $600,000. In the fourth round, they took Kyle Crockett, who is the safe, quick to the majors reliever, he currently has the highest WAR of any pitcher from that in, of any player, as a matter of fact, from that Indians draft class. Um, he has not pitched in the majors this year, and he pitched all of nine innings in the majors last year with Cincinnati. Another one of those Virginia guys who, for whatever reason, once they get in the minors and the majors, they just can't get it together. But uh, with a war of one, he has the highest value of anybody from that class at this point. Uh, Kyle Brady, or Kyle Brady, confusing name together. Sean Brady was their next pick, and that was who was released today. Um, The exact language was interesting. I'm going to pull it up because when I read it, I was like, what exactly? So he wasn't let go because that wasn't, he, he was granted his release. So it almost makes it sound like he asked to be let go. Uh, he had been up and down between uh, double and triple A, and the Indians did need to activate Rob Kaminsky, so I do wonder if they asked Brady to go down to one of the lower levels, and instead he requested release, and they're like, that's fine. We're, uh, it's not going to happen here. Brady was given over twice his slot, $800,000, 
to sign. He was the second largest bonus in that class behind Frazier. It was another one that shocked me at the time just because of he wasn't someone who was on my radar as a near million dollar uh, bonus. And he was old for his class. He's kind of one of those last guys the Indians took who was old for their class. Left-handed pitcher who kind of got some late run. He just, in the minors, he never missed enough bats. He didn't walk guys, but he was a little prone to the long ball, and it just never came together. He was able to pitch uh, three games in AAA before they let him go. And like I said, since it was him that made me go back and look at that class, Casey Shane was next, and he was a guy who had a bad senior year. Some people viewed it as a steal. He was released in 2016, never played above A ball. Lake County was as high as he got. Um, obviously, that didn't work out. Then you got Trevor, F- or no, then came Kenny Matthews, who uh, was a lefty who was let go in 2016 as well. Again, never getting past Lake County. After that came Trevor Frank, who was a senior sign, a really cheap sign, and he's uh, he was last year with Seattle and San Diego. He got up to high A in Cleveland, made it to triple A with those teams. So he's one of the more effective draft picks. In my mind, after Frank came, the Indian's second-best draft pick. Uh, I still think Clint Frazier's the best. Thomas Pannone, who's uh, been in the majors with the Blue Jays. He was the major piece they used to get Joe Smith. The, the last of those uh, players in those top ten rounds is Ross Kivett, who the Indians only draft guys that they have a deal in place with, and Kivett was a local player that they must have had a low bonus with, and they're hoping to get him to signed below slot, and then used the money elsewhere, and then he decided he was going to go back to school, kind of hosing the Indians. The next year, Kivett would get drafted by the Tigers. He made it up to a cup of coffee in in AA, played about 25 games, and that was it for him. You go through the rest of that class. uh, Adam Plutko, who... Has been on. He's been injured this year. That's why he hasn't really come up as a potential starter for the Indians. Heath Quinn, they failed to sign. He's now a top prospect of the Giants. Sicknarf, Silento Sales, you might remember. Super quick, but just couldn't put it together. You go down, Matt Whitehouse has been another good organizational soldier. A lefty who pitches all over. And then the, the other big prospect in here really is Ben Heller in the 22nd round, who was the third biggest piece in the... Uh, the deal for Andrew Miller, and he has been a, a reliever. I kind of expected him to have made more of an impact by now. It just hasn't occurred. But on the whole, it's a, it's not a strong class. You know, it, it does hurt when you lose two high picks. But I thought it would be fun to go back and kind of look at this recent class on the day after they cut the uh, the second biggest signing from the class. So uh, maybe just a depressing podcast all around. Uh, Corey Kluber is hurt. He is out. He had not been effective. I think we can very clearly see who the top four spots are going to be. Um, I will be curious to see it. Most likely, um, the fifth spot is going to be a when they need it, and it might just be they'll give Cody Anderson the spot. I am going to be firmly saying Michael Peoples due to performance. And, uh, you know, just kind of a fun look back at the 2013 draft. You know, it's produced uh, three major league talents. That is not a bad draft any year. So, 
maybe it's uh, it's unfortunate all three are major league talents for other teams now. But hey, can't win them all. That is all for me. Thank you for listening on whatever service, subscribing, rating, reviewing. I really appreciate all of that. I've been your host, Jeff Ellis. You can find me on Jeff MLB Draft. And as always, go Tribe. And try not to get hurt.